Hello and welcome back to another episode of Losing Part of Me, the podcast where we look at the journey that I took in realising that I had an addiction to alcohol and then becoming sober. And in today's episode, I want to talk about the becoming sober bit and what that actually looked like and felt like because my expectations of what becoming sober were not what happened and and I think this is another reason I wanted to do this episode well not just this episode but this whole podcast because there is so much out there that talks about how amazing you'll feel and how brilliant it is and how awesome it is that you'll give up alcohol and you'll jump out of bed feeling phenomenal and that was not my experience now if that was yours or you know someone that had that experience then brilliant amazing so so pleased for them but it wasn't my experience. So, and I'm sure everyone's different. And if you decide that you want to stop drinking, I'm sure yours will be different too. But like I said, for me, it was a lot different to what I was expecting. So when I first stopped, the decision was to do dry January. That was what I thought I was going to do. And I think deep down, I knew that it wasn't just going to be dry January. I think I knew that if I was going to stop I needed to stop permanently and it was New Year's Day and I decided that obviously I was going to drink on New Year's Day even though it was the first of January because well it's New Year's Day so why wouldn't I and I had I drank that day and I decided from the 2nd of January would be the day when I stopped but I think it was probably a good week in before I thought oh no this is it for real like I don't think I can ever start again and I think I've realized that this is a big problem. But in those early days, so bearing in mind, January is a hard time to stop anyway, because January kind of sucks from a month perspective, but that was what I chose. And and probably not knowingly, um, but anyway, I went with it. And in those first early days, I felt dreadful. I didn't feel well at all. I was exhausted all the time. All I wanted to do was nap. My body ached. My limbs ached. I just felt dreadful. And and I thought to myself, I'd have a slow start to the year. And I'd actually, in my head, thought a couple of things. One, a friend of mine is a nutritionist and I'd worked with her um, like much earlier on. And she runs a transformation program, which is awesome, which basically gets you feeling really good. And it's like a, I think it's like a six week program or something. So I decided, no, maybe it's not even six weeks. Maybe it's less than that. Anyway, I decided that I was going to join that transformation program. Um, and I thought this will be perfect. I'll give myself a couple of weeks because it wasn't starting till like mid end of Jan. I thought I'll give myself a couple of weeks just to acclimatize to not drinking. And then I'll be fine to take on something like a transformation program. And in this program, you um, don't have gluten, which I don't know whether I've mentioned this already, but I'm actually celiac. So I should never have gluten. Um, you don't have dairy and you don't have sugar. And obviously you definitely don't have alcohol and coffee and all that sort of stuff. So I thought, you know what, that would be good. And in all honesty, this would not normally be a big issue for me. I eat particularly well anyway. Um, like I said, on the whole, or I am generally gluten-free, 
But I didn't realise for one minute how hard the drinking was going to be and that it would consume my every thought. So two or three weeks into January, when I thought I would be well enough to do a transformation programme, I was hanging in by the skin of my teeth. Every day, and sometimes every minute of every day, I would use the phrase, don't question the decision. For me, I think I got it from, there's a book called Alan Carr's The Easy Way, and he's done it for many different things like sugar, alcohol, and and it's been really effective for lots of people. And I remember reading the sugar one years ago, not that I have a particular sugar issue, but someone said it was a good book, so I listened to it. And one of the things that he talked about was don't question the decision. And for me, that was really important because I knew the minute I opened up space in my brain to question or even think about the option of drinking, my brain would kick fully in and go, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Yeah, you deserve that. So every time my brain started to do that, I started to say, don't question the decision. The other phrase that really helped me in the early days was, what would the new tea do? So, and my friends and family call me tea, obviously my name's Teresa, and I imagined this new tea, this new sober Teresa that didn't drink, what would she do at this point? So those are my two things that kind of got me through the the early days. The other thing that was really hard, and you will find out more about this uh, in the interview that I actually do with my husband, is my husband found it really hard. It took about a week or so into me not drinking to say to him, I have a problem. And I actually used the word, I think I'm an alcoholic. And I remember breaking down, saying that to him. And like I said, although it's not a word I use currently and I don't particularly like it, I felt like I needed to use that word to him because I needed him to understand how serious this was and how much I was struggling. Because in the early days, and and I'm so glad I've asked him to do the interview with me, um, because you're going to hear his side of it, which I think will help because what I'm about to say sounds really harsh. But he basically said at one point, I want you to start drinking again. Now, you might be sat there thinking, why on earth would he say that? What kind of guy would say that? But I was so unhappy. I was so miserable and I was so hard to deal with. I was angry and upset and frustrated and felt every single emotion going and didn't just feel the emotions. They were consuming me. It was exhausting feeling like that all the time. They say that one of the good things about becoming sober is that you get your emotions back. But then they say one of the worst things about getting sober is getting your emotions back. And that was 100% the truth. I had spent a very, very, very long time finding every way possible to not feel a single thing. And I loved stepping off the earth and I I, even as I say this like if I could find a healthy way to step off the earth sometimes I would take it because sometimes it's a lot like I run my own business I have a daughter who I share with my ex-husband I have stepchildren we have dogs my husband works really hard like sometimes I just want to go stop world, I just want to take a breather. And for me, alcohol did that. But the problem is it was doing it all the time. 
So, so Paul and I, my husband and I, we really struggled. We really, really struggled in the early days because I couldn't have been very nice to live with and I must have been very hard work. And all he could see was because he didn't see us having a problem, me having a problem, him having a problem. And again, we talk about it, that in the in the interview with him. Because he didn't see us having a problem and didn't understand what was happening in my brain, he just thought, well, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, if you're this miserable, what is the point? And again, I get it. I get why he thinks that. But obviously, I knew what was happening in my head and I had to continue One thing I did discover pretty early on in those first few weeks was that he did not drink in excess when I didn't drink, which even more secured the actually this isn't this isn't right because he can do it and I can't. He can drink just one or two and be fine and I can't do that. So actually, one thing that really was interesting in the early days was seeing he never stopped drinking. So that was difficult. I had to be very specific about what he could and couldn't drink, which was not fair on him, but also it would have been incredibly difficult and not fair on me. So in the early days, he could have beer. And then initially uh, after that, he would then move up to like red wine. So basically he was picking things that wouldn't have necessarily been my drinks. And it wasn't until much later in the year that he could then bring back some of the drinks that we would have drank together. But basically, I started thinking in those early days, well, I'll be all right when I get to February. I'll be fine when I get to March. I'll be able to cope with things when I get to whatever. So I started to make plans thinking, well, I'll be okay then because by that point, I'll be X amount of time sober. I used to wish the days by because I wanted to be sober longer because the longer I was sober the easier surely this would get. So I would be begging to be 10 days sober, 20 days sober, 30 days sober. I would constantly go back. I had an app that I used that tracked um, and I would go and read people's timelines. So like on the app, you can choose to read the comments of people who were around your time frame, i.e. 10 days sober. But I would go and find people who were six months sober and a year sober and read what they had to say. I just remember being annoyed and angry all the time and my brain stopped working and it stopped working for a massive chunk of 2023 and I'm a business owner so my business, my income, my livelihood relies on me being able to perform. My business is me. I coach people, I have a membership, I speak on stages, I do all of these things where it's my face and I have to show up. And that was a problem because I didn't want to show up. I must have spent easily eight months feeling like this. And if you'd said to me at the beginning of this journey, you're going to spend the first eight months feeling absolute crap and hating every single minute of it, I would have gone, I'm not doing it. I am not doing this because that is way too hard work. But the truth was, that's how long it took me to finally wake back up again. And during those eight months, there were lots of firsts. And I'm going to do an episode just on the first and how I dealt with each one of them because there were some really, really big firsts that I needed to get through, like birthdays and trips and and having dinner with someone. Um, but the other thing that I did in those early days and actually is stuck is I didn't tell anybody. My husband knew, a couple of very close friends knew, and that was it. 
eventually my children, my child and my stepchildren knew and I told them. And as time went on, I tried to make it more clear to them. Initially, I kind of just said, I don't think it's good for me to drink anymore. Um, but again, it was like I was always leaving the door open to drink again. And I think that was another reason why I didn't want to tell anybody, because if I told people and genuinely told them the truth about how bad I was, then they wouldn't, like, that would be it. Like, I wouldn't be able to go back on it. I wouldn't be able to go, oh, no, I'm fine, actually. So I've started drinking again. So that's why definitely in the early days, I didn't tell people. Some people would really need that accountability. That scared me. It scared me what people were going to say. It scared me how they would react, how they wouldn't believe believe me. Like my own husband didn't believe me because he didn't think there was a problem. And, and I just didn't have the energy to to do that. I didn't have the energy to tell anybody. But literally the whole way through the first year up until about October, November time, I felt like I was fighting every single day. And sometimes not even fighting to to not drink. Some days it wasn't as bad as others. Some days it was literally by the minute, literally by the minute. But other times it was, I'd go a few days and I'd be okay and not think about it too much. But the reason I was still fighting was because I was so exhausted and I my emotions were all over the place. A couple of things that helped me through those things were I have therapy every single week. And obviously the reason I even stopped drinking in the first place or even considered having a problem is because I started therapy. And so that was really useful to be able to go and speak to her every single week and have that person for me. I had a couple of close friends who knew who I could speak to, and that was really helpful. I also tried AA. Now, I only did online stuff, but I tried about eight different meetings because my friend and coach at the time who knew said, I think you need to try multiple meetings. I think you can't just try one and go, that's not for me. So I did. I tried lots of different meetings. I tried women only meetings. I tried mixed meetings. Um, I also tried other online sober societies and it wasn't for me. Now, I am not by any means saying that they're no good, they don't work, not at all. For the people who went and obviously really got something from it, it was brilliant. It just wasn't for me. I think, I mean, I say this jokingly, but I find I find it a little bit cult-like. And I do say it jokingly, and that's just my thoughts. So, you know, please don't take that as it's not a cult at all. But I just find it a little bit like that. So it wasn't for me. Also, one of the things, and I think because I have a lot of therapy, one of the things I actually really struggled with is you share and then people just say thank you or they just nod or that's it. Like... And I'm really practical. I like people to kind of go, oh gosh, yeah, either give me lots of sympathy or say, well, I had this and this is what I did. And and that's not what AA is about and you're not allowed to do that. So I just find that a bit difficult. So that was tricky for me as well. Um, And I just think in those early days, I think I expected to be able to deal and cope and do way more than I did. My business in 2023 kind of stood still and earned less than it's ever earned. And now 
I'm all right with that. I did try and fight all year to go, I need to get myself in gear, I need to like get going. But in hindsight, I was in no fit state to do that because I was putting so much emphasis and so much stuff on staying sober. The other thing I did during this time, and as you know, I've done it way before, was journal. And what's lovely is for me to be able to go back and read those early days. So uh, I've just gone through and made some notes. So three months in, so March, I wrote, I still want to give up. This is the hardest thing I've ever done. Not drinking feels like not being able to breathe. And I wanted out of my own head and I wanted something to make me numb and knock me out. So I was still very overwhelmed with all the feelings, all the anger, all the upset, all the anything. And all I wanted to do was to drown it out and was to not feel it and to not experience it anymore. In April, my dad gets a cancer diagnosis and the very first thought that entered my head was if my dad dies, I will have to drink at his funeral. And when I say will, it was partly I'll be able to and partly, well, I'll be expected to or surely that reason I can drink. Surely if my dad dies, I'm allowed to drink at my dad's funeral. So it wasn't even, it wasn't even a case of like, let's worry about the cancer diagnosis. Let's like, what if he dies? It was immediately, your dad might have cancer, which then turned into a cancer diagnosis and I immediately went to, I'll be able to drink at his funeral. And in those days, I was still beating myself up for this stuff. And I remember getting on a therapy call and saying, why did I think that? Why was that my first thought? And she very calmly understood and explained and said, because that's your go-to, that's what you've done for all these years. It's okay that that was your first thought. It's understandable. But obviously, you know, that's not necessarily what we're going to do and what you're going to do. And and luckily, as I record this, my dad is fit and well and had an operation and his cancer was removed. And that's amazing. Um, but like I said, in April, you know, I was still really struggling. I was still really finding it hard to, you know, feel all these emotions, do all these things. And of course, when something difficult came up, it was it just made it even worse. And it almost went, well, I've got the excuse now, haven't I? So those early days were really, really, really tough. And like I said, in all honesty, I didn't feel like I woke up and felt like, I was going to say myself, but I've probably felt a better version of myself I've ever felt until towards the end of the year, October, November time. And those were the sorts of time that I felt like I was getting out of bed and feeling amazing. The other thing actually I forgot to mention is I didn't sleep because I had been so used to falling asleep with alcohol that I didn't know how to sleep. So for the first six months, I had to re-educate myself and relearn how to fall asleep without using anything. Um, and I'm really conscious that as I'm saying all this, that if you are sat there thinking, I want to quit or I think there's a problem with my alcohol and I want to go sober, that I'm probably sounding like I'm putting you off because I'm basically saying the first eight, nine months was hell on earth. And and it kind of was a bit. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, wow, I was fighting every single day to stay sober. And no wonder I was exhausted. And no wonder it was so, so difficult. But 
the me now talking to you today is a me I could never have dreamed of or hoped for. And the way I show up in the world and the way I am in my business and working in my business and creating this podcast and showing up and doing all these things, I am so proud of myself. And for someone who spent so many years despising herself and beating herself up literally day in, day out because she couldn't hold her own self-integrity because every day she promised that she wouldn't drink, she did. I couldn't have imagined feeling how I feel now. And that work, although it's hard to say it was worth it, it absolutely is worth it. It was hard. It was difficult. I did struggle. I used to pray for the day that relapse would come. Like so many people relapse. So surely I get a chance. When will I do it? Like almost planning it. And now I don't and I won't. And I am confident I will never drink again. And I will do all the work continuously to make sure that's the case. But I'm not trying to put you off. I'm trying to be really realistic in saying that, yes, I would love to say that I woke up on day one feeling like, sunshine and roses, but I didn't, but I had an addiction. That's why I didn't. And therefore I had to work really, really hard. But every second that I worked on it, every screaming journal article that I wrote in my journal is worth it. It's worth feeling like I feel today. And looking back at that Teresa that used to drink and what my life looked like and how I showed up to the world and how I felt about me is night and day compared to how I feel about me now. I actually love me and I love the work I do and I am so proud of the work I've done, which is one of the reasons why I can do this podcast because there is a fear that people will listen to it and say mean things or think mean things or, you know, I have people in my world who don't like me and that's fine. Um, And there was a worry that people might do that, but I am so happy and confident in myself now that... I'm confident enough to share this stuff and I'm confident enough to go, I have done the hardest work I've ever done. So no matter what someone says to me, it'll be nothing compared to the 12 months that I had prior to doing this podcast. So yeah. Okay. I just wanted to, like I said, go through that episode and let you know how it was for me stopping. In the next episode, I am going to share with you some of the firsts and how I got through them. Because again, they were difficult and I needed to be prepared and if you're going to stop then maybe you'll need to prepare as well for some of these things. I'm sending you so much love. You've got this. Mm